Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. We're going to start here on Sunday nights and this will be ongoing. There'll be some breaks involved, but 1 Thessalonians and then 2 Thessalonians. But uh, these, these are letters that are written to a church in Thessalonica. And uh, we're going to study these together. I believe that'll be super helpful for us as a, as a church family. And so we're going to just look at a verse tonight, but I want to give us kind of an introduction to this letter. So you're there, 1 Thessalonians, towards the uh, latter end of the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of, of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be unto you and peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost so that ye were in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia, that's the region they were in, and a little bit south, Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith that Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For... They themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter that you've preserved for us to this generation. We pray that you would help us tonight as we learn from it, as we grow through this study, that it may help Grace Baptist Church to be what you want it to be. Lord, that we would grow together as a church. We grow individually as believers and followers of you, disciples. And Lord, I just pray for your anointing right now, that you would anoint both me as, as the preacher and the listener here that's gathered. I pray that you would have your way in our hearts, that we would learn exactly what you'd have for us, but Lord, that we'd be ready to practice and to do what you've told us. 
And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we start this, uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, understand that it started back, and I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17, and I want you to follow along in that way. I don't have a, gu- a guide for you on Sunday night because part of the reason is I want you to follow along in the Scriptures. I want you to learn to turn the pages of your, your Bible. So Acts chapter number 17, and I want us to realize that, that Paul had come into Thessalonica, uh, and, which is Thessaloniki today, and he'd come into Thessalonica after he had come, started his second missionary journey. His second missionary journey brought him back through some of the churches that he had already been at, Iconium and Lystra and Derby, and he wanted to confirm the disciples there. And as he came into Acts chapter 17, you're turning, uh, you're turning there, as he came into Acts chapter 16, he was around the, uh, the Asia Minor, or, or a little bit uh, west of Asia Minor, or uh, I should say east of Asia Minor, and he came um, back to the city, Lystra, where Timothy was from, where he had met him on the first missionary journey, and a church had been established there, and it was recommended to him by the brethren in the church. Remember, Paul wasn't there for a long, long time. He left these churches, and they began to function. They began to gather together. They assembled like we're assembling tonight. They assembled around the Word of God and, and uh, learning from uh, what they knew of, uh, of God's Word, and they, they continued to do that. But as Paul came back through there on the second missionary journey, they told him about this young man, Timothy, and they said, hey, he has a good report among all the churches. He has a good report among the disciples. And and Paul, we recommend him to you. And so Paul's like, wow, that's pretty wonderful. This teenager is uh, really growing in the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. And so I'm going to bring him along on this missionary journey. And uh, if you can just imagine that, that uh, even if he came through this area, I don't know exactly how old he was, but uh, maybe he was, uh, maybe he's 15, maybe 16, maybe 17, somewhere around there. Uh, Mark, you're, you're right around the age of, what, 16, right? And so can you imagine a, a preacher coming along and saying, hey, I'm going to take you on a missionary journey for a couple months, and we're going to go preach the gospel in other cities. You've never been there before, but we're going to go preach the gospel in other cities. That's pretty neat. And it was pretty awesome that his parents let him go along with that. Now, remember, his parents, we sh- I shouldn't get ahead of myself, but his, he came from a, a mixed household. His parents were not all, all believing, but he was able to go along in this journey. Now, this is important to what, what we're accomplishing here tonight, because as he got Timothy on this missionary journey, and they began to start, Paul said, well, we're going to go over into, we, we have some burden to go into different parts of the Asia Minor area, and we want to preach the gospel, and, and, and God continued in Acts chapter number 16, God continued to, to, to put up roadblocks. You don't go there, you don't go there, and one night, Paul received a, a message from the Lord via vision. We call it the Macedonian call. He heard in his vision uh, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Come over and help us. And uh, the Bible says in Acts 16 and verse number uh, 9, And the vision appeared unto Paul in the night. There stood a man from Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Help us out with the map here tonight so that we can see where Macedonia is. He's over in, he's over in the, uh, the Asia Minor area. And uh, he's, uh, this is where Timothy's from, remember, over there in the, in the Lystra area. And let's go, uh, go to the next one. And so he's being asked of the Lord. He's up there near Mysia, and he's being asked of the Lord, go over to Macedonia, take the boat ride, go over just to hop across the sea there into Macedonia. And so he, he knows that the Lord is doing this in his heart, Acts 16, verse number 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. We are, always ought to obey the Lord right away. Right? 
You with me on that? Right away. Assuredly. Uh, the Lord gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So he saw this the next day. He said, hey, guys, we are going there. Timothy, Silas, we're going to Macedonia. We're going to preach the gospel. What's the first, um, first stop there? Philippi. Do you remember what happened at Philippi? Help me out here tonight. What happened at Philippi? He meets, he meets a, a seller of purple. Do you remember her name? Lydia. She's down by with some others. They're, they're devout individuals worshiping by the riverside. Uh, you know, as he preached the gospel, what happened? The, the, the town kind of got upset. Do you remember what, what happened to Paul there? He threw him in jail. And uh, that night, uh, they whipped him first, Paul and Silas. They whipped him, and their backs are bloody. They put him in stocks. They're in jail. And at midnight, they're singing praises to the Lord. They're singing hymns of praise to the Lord. And an earthquake happens. The prison doors are open, and uh, the prison guard uh, thought that they, were, uh, they had all escaped, and he was about to commit suicide because he didn't want to be put to death by the Roman government. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. He was able to lead the Philippian jailer and his family to the Lord, baptize them. What a wonderful thing that that was. But he needed to leave town. There was a adversity there, but a, a church was begun there, a wonderful church that was begun there. And uh, what, a, what a powerhouse it was for the gospel. They began to fellowship right away in the gospel. And so Paul continue to move along because he has been called to Macedonia, to this region, which that was a part of the region, but he, he was heading somewhere to Thessalonica. We're going to dive into a little bit more about Thessalonica and what it meant as a city in that area, but he's heading along. And so it's really awesome. You're at Acts 17. Look at verse number four. He gets to Thessalonica, and the Bible says as he preached the gospel, he was there three Sabbath days, three weeks, friends, three weeks. And he preaches the gospel, and he's opening the word of God, and he's telling them that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. And, and this is going contra to the, uh, to the culture there. And it says, and some believed, verse 4, and consorted or, or came together with Paul. They connected with Paul. They, they teamed with Paul and Silas. And of devout Greeks, a multitude, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So God was bringing many people to the Lord. They weren't Jewish by nationality, but God was bringing many Greeks to the Lord, and they were following after Jesus Christ in that city. Now, as was the case, almost in every city that Paul went to, there was opposition. And so there were some of the Jews, verse number five, there were some of the Jews that were envious of, of the following that Paul had, and they began to stir up things and saying, hey, listen, this man isn't doing the right thing, but they could not find Paul. And the Bible says that they drew out a certain man, a new believer whose name was Jason. Isn't that interesting? They drew him out. They're like, this man is, he is, he is uh, consorted or he's teamed up with Paul and Silas. He's received them. And these are the folks, and I love this, they gave this testimony. The testimony from the unbelieving Jews was these, Paul and Silas, and those that are believing on him have come here that have turned the world upside down with their doctrine. They've turned the world upside down with their preaching of Jesus Christ. And so God was doing a deep and lasting work in the, in the, uh, the city of Thessalonica. Now, Thessaloniki still is there today. It's uh, really one of the cities that has just, it has been uh, occupied even till this, this time. It's, it's unique in that, in that way. But Thessalonica, God was moving in that city during Paul's time, and people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and there was great opposition, such great opposition, that by night Paul needed to leave. 
And he left there and went over to Berea, spent some time there. They received the word, and then he went down to Athens, and then he went down to Corinth. And if you give us the map one more time, you can kind of follow this a little bit of, uh, of tracing uh, there as they, they leave Thessalonica, Berea, about 50 miles, 200 miles. In fact, from Berea, there were some believers from Berea that accompanied Paul down to Athens, which was really neat that they, they went with them and then brought back commandment to, um, to uh, Timothy and Silas saying, hey, when you, when you get things settled down up here, you come down and meet me. But Paul was on his own down in Athens and in, in Corinth and in the region of Achaia. And so God was doing something really special there. I say all that to give us context for this letter. Now, where does this letter come into play? As, as Paul was down there in Corinth, and waiting on Paul or uh, Timothy and Silas to come down, they came down and they brought a report about this church in Thessalonica. They said, Paul, there's some great things happening up there, but there's also some confusion they have about what they're, uh, what they're to do now and what they're to look for, and they're being persecuted and they're struggling. And Paul sends back a letter. In fact, both letters really deal with the the coming of the Lord or their perspective of the, of the end times. And in this first letter, he deals with this matter of you need to be looking for your Savior who's going to come and rapture us out. In fact, I want you to go so we understand the, the point of the letter. Go to, um, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 13. And I want us to catch this because they're saying, hey, what happens to us after we die? Uh, what are we waiting for? What are we supposed to be occupied with? And Paul gives them all of that in this first letter here, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, a Bible word for those that are, are dead, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep, in Jesus, those that have died and have believed on Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, let's read 16 together, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what we wait for. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Then we which are alive and remain, verse 17, shall be, notice the words, caught up together with them in the clouds. There's our word for, from which we get the word rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Read verse 18 together. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I often read that at funerals to remind believers that we're looking for the day when we're going to join the one that has been buried, uh, that has died in Christ, we're going to join them at the rapture. They're going to be raised again from the dead, and we look forward to joining with them, in, uh, with the Lord in the air. And it's a wonderful assurance, but I want us to catch this. Paul was trying to give these believers who were being persecuted there in um, Thessalonica for their newfound faith and for gathering together, and Jason and others were being dragged out of homes and, and dealing with persecution. He was saying to them, hey, I want you to know that we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord and the rapture is the blessed hope of the believer. No matter what we go through here in life, no matter what you face this week, the reality is we can all look up from the turmoil and say, Jesus Christ is coming again. 
Are you with me on that? Jesus Christ is coming again. And may he come again this week. Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. The last chapter of the, of the Bible says three times Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. And oh, that he would come very, very soon to catch us to be with him forever in the Lord. And so uh, what Paul is trying to do is say, listen, I want to I give you some perspective. As a persecuted church, I want to give you some perspective to live on. How are you going to go forward there in this city? How are you going to advance the gospel? Always keep in view that Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is going to call us home. The trumpet could sound at any minute and be ready. This is our blessed hope. In the second letter, he would deal with the second coming of Jesus when he comes to earth to deal with Israel, to, to rescue Israel in the battle of Armageddon and, and so on. So I just want us to realize that Paul is writing to this church to help them have a better perspective, to help them have an eternal perspective, a, a biblical perspective about life right now. And friends, this life isn't it. This world is not our home. And the more that we get consumed with living down here and get focused on down here and get focused on the news cycle. Listen, how many of you have, have been victims of getting on the news cycle or what is it, the, uh, the, the, what happens, the hamster wheel of the news cycle? Do you know what I'm talking about? Just over and over, one bad headline after another. This isn't our home. They're in inflation in heaven. We might be uh, facing that right down here, but God is not threatened by what we're facing. He is coming again, and we need to trust him for that. We need to believe that, and we need to uh, encourage one another with that very thing. We need to encourage one another. The diseases that we go through, the diseases that you go through. Listen, some of you are going through it right now. You're struggling with it. Jesus is coming again. This isn't it. And, uh, boy, we have a blessed hope to look forward to. So Paul's trying to encourage them in that way. And, and may we be encouraged with that as well. This isn't it. Jesus is coming again. And let's allow that to help our hearts. So as we start this passage of Scripture, look back at verse number 1 of chapter 1. And all I want to do tonight is I want to deal with this first verse. And then we'll get into the meat of the, the, the book in, in, in future messages. But I want to deal with this verse tonight. Notice here it says, Paul, Zavanius, and Timotheus, notice the different spellings there, unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to notice that Paul is writing to the church, and, and if you will, as you start letters to someone, dear church, dear Thessalonians, I have a message for you. I have something to share with you. I, I have something on my heart that I want to give to you. Now remember... Paul had to run out of town. He was being persecuted. Jason was being dragged out of his house. Paul had to run out of town in the middle of the night. He didn't get to finish things. He didn't get to, to tie things up and to, to close the loop on maybe conversations that he had started there. He left in, in, Thessalon uh, in Thessalonica, Timothy, to care for the people and to, to tend to, to what was going on. Uh, Silas and, and Paul went over to, uh, to Berea, and then si uh, Silas came back over to th on, on Thessalonica to get Timothy and before they went down to Achaia. But Paul didn't get to finish things up. And so when Timothy and Silas come down to Corinth and say, Paul, I want you just to know that there's some struggles up there, Paul immediately got to it and said, I'm going to send a letter. I'm going to send a letter off to encourage these folks and to give them the perspective that they need. 
And I just want us to realize God works um, work through that letter. And God so worked through that letter that it's inside the pages of Scripture for us today. God intends for us to benefit from this letter to this church that was struggling. I don't know what out is out ahead of us. Do you realize, and I've told you this already, but do you realize that even in our country, speaking parts of this word, of this book, is starting to become illegal. Can you believe that it's, it, it, it's illegal to speak some, uh, some truths from this book in the state of Michigan? You know, it, it's, it's mind-boggling that standing up for the truth of God's word, that he created male and female, and that, that we aren't to be transgendering, and that, that homosexuality is still a sin, and, and that, by the way, adultery and, and, and fornication and, and pornography and all those things are still a sin, and, 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 and just to stand up and say, sin is sin, and this is what God wants, and he wants to save you from your sin, he wants to rescue you from your sin. Can you believe that we live in a country where this is starting to become illegal? Now, it's already in, in, in Canada. They've already warned their citizens, as you travel down to, to the United States, be warned that there are some laws that will be hurtful to you in the United States. They've already warned the, the LGBTQ community in Canada that there's laws on the books in the United States. Realize we live in a very, very turbulent time, and it can change like this. And so we need to be ready to have the right perspective as we face persecution as well. As we face the affliction, as we face, it doesn't take long for, for an arrest to happen. Friends, we need to be ready. You say, well, you know, pastor's been talking about that for a long time. Friends, it is, it is looming. It's a reality. And we need to be ready to stand and have the right perspective through the midst of that. And so Paul's writing, dear church, I have some things on my heart for you. I want to give you a perspective that will help you. I want to give you a perspective that will help you be faithful. Don't you want to be faithful? Yeah. Don't you want to be faithful in the face of affliction? I do. I know you do. That's why you're here. <laughs> Dear church, I want to help you with some perspective. So notice what Paul does. He starts off with noting, and we should consider along with him, the servants of Christ. The servants of Christ, Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus, Paul, you know him, he wrote some, or penned some 13 of the, the books of the New Testament. Think about it, he was a persecutor, he used to drag people out of houses and kill them and bring them into prison, arrest them and so on. But now he's a missionary church planner, he's an apostle, he's a part of the apostleship. They're, the apostles had to see Jesus from the beginning of his ministry on, through his resurrection. And, and so Paul had a part in that. He was an apostle born out of due time, he says. God gave him this mission to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he's going around into that area and planting churches. He planted some 20-plus churches. Thessalonica was one of them. He followed the direction of the Holy Spirit into Macedonia. And now he is still burdened. He didn't just preach the gospel and leave, he's still burdened for them, so he writes back to these in Thessalonica, saying, I have this burden for you. We find here Silas, or Silvanus. Silas was a respected leader in the church of Jerusalem. That, you remember when that, that spat happened between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark? And there was some contention there. It shows us the reality of humanity, Right? So Barnabas takes John Mark and goes on a missionary journey, and Paul takes Silas. 
But you know this guy Silas was just a a leader, a a functioning member of the church of Jerusalem. And I just, I really think about this. Paul came back and his report to Jerusalem was that, you know, over there in in the area of Iconium and and so on, you you know, I I was stoned over there. And, uh, but the gospel went forth, and, and here's this guy, Silas, that says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you knowing the cost of going and preaching the gospel with Paul. And he decides to go with, with Paul. I want us to realize that this Silas guy was not a, a pushover. He was a, a resolute man. He was a man that was willing to leave his home, leave his family, and willing to go along with Paul despite the obvious cost of going and preaching the gospel, he's willing to go with Paul and be a help to him in the ministry. How many of you would like to be like a Silas? I want to be like a Silas, willing to do whatever the Lord puts in front of me, willing to help somebody, but willing to advance the gospel even at the cost of my own life. And so Silas was willing to do that. The Bible says in Acts 14 and verse 19 that Paul had gone to, uh, to uh, Iconium and, uh, and, and, and to that area, and they had stoned him, and, and Silas knew this. He had heard the report, yet he still went. And he went back to these very cities with Paul. That says a lot about Silas. He was a man that was committed to the cause. He was a man that was committed to the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this Timothy guy, boy, this really just captures my heart that he's mentioned here. Because he's just a young man. He's just a young man, and he, he is going on his first trip. I, I would love, and I, I talked even as we were down in Grenada, I'd love for, for my sons to be able to be a part and to, to go along with somebody in the ministry, to, to, to hang close to maybe one of the pastors in, in, in Grenada and, and get some ministry experience. That would be a wonderful thing. Paul had, had the, the burden to take Timothy along uh, in this, this missionary journey, the second missionary journey, and Timothy had a Greek father. He had an unbelieving father, but he had a saved mother and grandmother. Let me just say to you, moms, you have an important role. Grandmoms, you have an important role in the forming of uh, of young people and of the raising up, the the influence you have upon their life. Their influence had a great uh, impact on Timothy's life. 2 Timothy 1 and 5 it says, when I call, Paul speaking, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that also in thee. Where did that faith come from? Where did that faith get cultivated? By mom and grandma. Hey, you have an important job. Stay at it. Stay at it. It might not always appear like you're making a difference, but you look back and you realize, boy, you taught something. And I'm guaranteeing you that, that looking back, Lois and Eunice looked back and said, boy, we're sure, we're sure thankful that we stayed with it. You re- remember that, that Timothy eventually went and pastored to Ephesus. But at this moment in his teenage years, he's being used to the Lord as a young person to advance the gospel. That's really good. I love that. Paul gave him a responsibility. In fact, great responsibility. He was left there in... in uh, Thessalonica to care and to uh, to be concerned with the people there. Well, Paul had to get out of town because of all the the opposition that was happening. Evidently, uh, Timothy was a little bit less of a target. And so he's left there to tend to the welfare of the Thessalonians. The Bible tells us, and I want you to turn there with me so that you see it as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 
in verse number 1 and 2. 1 Thessalonians 3 in verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, that's something that's said often throughout this letter, brethren. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Keep us in your prayer. Notice what it goes on to say. And I'm in the second one, and you're in the first one, and you're saying, where are you? That was a good verse, too. First Thessalonians chapter 1, first. I needed to be at first. We weren't going to make any traction in second right now. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. You all there? Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus. Did you notice this? And sent Timotheus, our brother. Our brother. He's a young man. That's really great. Our brother. And what is the next phrase? Minister of God. And our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Well, I'm telling you what, what a great responsibility was put on that young man, which tells me that young man meant business for the Lord. For Paul, Paul had no problem saying, I'm not dealing with it. Paul had no problem saying, John Mark, you're not coming with me. Timothy was a young man who had shown himself to be dependable, shown himself to be a fellow laborer in the gospel. He says, I've sent him to minister to your needs. That's pretty powerful. Look down at verse number six. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought unto us, what is it, church? Good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. And so when he came, he said, hey, there's good things happening up there. He also said, hey, there's some, there's some trouble. They're facing some persecution up there. And so Paul, they need some encouragement. But I just want us to realize right at the outset of this letter, dear church, Paul, Silas, a, a godly, devoted layman, a, a, a man that was passionate for the gospel, and Timothy, a young teenager, is all a part of these servants to the church of Thessalonians. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Friends, you and I need to be servants to the church. One of the maladies, one of the problems in the American church is the mindset that church serves us rather than us serving the church. Are you with me on that? And we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. We are to serve one another. What does Galatians tell us? By love, serve one another. By love, serve one another. Uh, Ephesians 4 and verse number 16 tells us that we're a body. We're fitly joined together. And as we minister with our gifts to one another, we are, uh, we are built up together in him. The body is built together. It's, it's fitly joined and compacted together. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's edified by our service in love. You know, I, I have to uh, say this in, in passing. Do you realize what's been happening in adult growth groups the last, uh, the last four, five, six maybe longer weeks, has been a real blessing. Um, there are folks that are stepping forward, men that are stepping forward and teaching, and I have I would thoroughly enjoyed this morning, Brother Isaac, 
I enjoyed Brother Andy and Brother Gary, Brother Ron, um, the, the ministry of the word. Friends, we're servants to this church. And you may not sit in the, on the, uh, the stead of the pastor, but you're servants. You and I are servants to this church. And I think about the widows and widow luncheon and, and how some of you have jumped in on that. And Frank and Char and Miss Joyce, you've jumped in on it. As servants to the church. What a wonderful blessing. And people cleaning and, and caring for one another and, and taking note of needs and, and watching one another's children and, and just the care that goes on. What a blessing. What a blessing. Let's keep being that. Let's have that mindset of caring for one another. Here are servants of the church. Paul, Timotheus, and Silas. Different ages, different roles. Paul was an apostle. Silas was a layman. But here we have this, this man, Timothy, a young man. All the generations represented serving the Lord and serving one another. What a wonderful blessing. I do want to note one other thing. Timotheus and, and Silas had a great responsibility because Philippi, the church there in Thessalonica, said, we hear that Paul's having a rough time down there in Corinth. We want to be a part of sending an offering down. And they collected an offering out of their deep poverty. And they fellowshiped in the gospel. And then they sent down an offering with, Paul, with Timotheus and Silas that allowed Paul to stop being bivocational there in Corinth and to stop um, tent making and to focus fully on the gospel. And you know, these guys had great responsibility. Carrying an offering, carrying money from one church to another was a great responsibility. Wouldn't you agree to that? Like, that, that's, there's some trust involved there. And a teenager was involved in that. That's pretty awesome. That's a wonderful thing. These, these are choice servants of the Lord, and may we be servants of the Lord in this place. But they also got to carry a letter. Timothy got to carry a letter back up. And that letter was, was a part of encouraging that church at, on Thessalonica to continue on. And that letter was ultimately the Word of God. One of the greatest things that we can do is communicate the Word of God. To communicate the word of God, remind one another of the word of God, to provoke one another to love and to good works. You know why? Because the word of God, the word of God is given to us by inspiration. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, help me, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You know, as Timothy brought back up that letter to Thessalonica. Dear church, dear church, I want to give you some perspective that helped the church at Thessalonica to be a better servant of the Lord, to be better servants of the Lord. Timothy had a part in that. What a great thing. And so we should consider these servants of the Lord, Paul, Silas, and Timotheus, or Timothy. But notice also Christ's body. Look at verse number one. It says, these men, unto the church, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone tell me, what is the definition of church? Pop quiz. What's that? Okay, an assembly. Okay, body of believers. Anyone else? The church is a called out assembly, assembly. Now it's not, it was a term that Jesus co-opted from that culture, it was an assembly, but specifically the church is a called out assembly from the world to Jesus Christ. 
The church is not a rotary club. Church is not a, a social club. The church is a called out assembly of believers. It is, as the Bible says, a body of Christ. And this church was assembling in the lo- locality of Thessalonica. And so it says the church of the Thessalonians. And I want us to realize a little bit about Thessalonica as a city. It was a key city. When God called Paul to go back over into Macedonia and to start churches over there, he called them to, uh, to, to these cities, and he led them to these cities. Thessalonica was a central location. It was a primary transportation link between Europe and the Middle East. So it, it had great, great potential for carrying the gospel in multiple places. So people that heard the gospel there would be able to go into multiple areas and to carry the gospel. What you're seeing right here is the Roman road system, and it's interesting that that Thessalonica was at the juncture or the crossroads of two major Roman highways. The Roman road system was part of of the the radical and quick advance of the gospel. Uh, God, on Jesus coming at that time, really was at the the height of human history, and the word of God being written at that time, uh, and and the Roman road system, among other things, a common language, really advanced the gospel in incredible ways. But Thessalonica was at the crossroads right there, an important commercial uh, crossroads there in Thessalonica. It was also the military and political hub. And so merchants, traders, refugees from all over the Mediterranean were uh, assembling there, were, were living there in Thessalonica. So it's a little bit similar to here. This week I got to um, witness to a guy from Iraq. And he was very interested. I said, have you ever read the Bible? And he says, no, but I'm very interested. And so I, I shared with him a tract and, and, and sent him a link to Brother Jeremy's um, uh, website where he could get more information, and I, I trust that this man will come to the Lord. But I walked away thinking, you know what, there's all sorts of people from all over, over the world to witness to. And yes, we, we're against uh, open borders. I, I, I think even God, uh, Jerusalem had walls and so on. There's, there's plenty of scriptural evidences to, to say, hey, we ought, to, we ought to be wise with our borders. But you know what? Those folks that are coming across the border, even though it might be a threat to our, uh, our nation, do realize that we need to be ready to share the gospel even with those that come across our borders. And so here in Thessalonica, there was all sorts of people. There was refugees, people that are from out of town. And what a wonderful place for a church to be started in that place. It was a key Roman city. And here's a really interesting part. It was the capital of Macedonia, the seat of the Roman governor. And so when Paul was told to go to Macedonia, Paul didn't just go to the little cities. Paul went right to the heart of Macedonia and said, when God tells me to obey, I'm going to obey all the way, and I'm going to go where the gospel can really spread. The Bible tells us in verse number 10 that the gospel sounded out from there everywhere. It was, very, it, was, it was a natural place for the gospel to spread strategically. And God knew that, Paul, um, Paul knew that, and followed the Lord's leading there. It's a prominent seaport. They had their own harbor. Uh, it was a walled city, but very strategic for the advance of the gospel. And we praise the Lord for that. It was a wicked city. The Bible says in verse number 9, did you uh, note that when we were going through? It says how you have turned from God, uh, to God from idols to serve the living God. 
There were many idols in that city. There were Egyptian gods of healing. There were uh, gods that promoted sensuality and wickedness. There was all sorts of uh, worship of idolatry in that city. There were adversaries of the gospel from the, um, from the, the Jewish uh, unbelievers. And there was also a lot of wickedness just kind of in uh, modesty within the city. The bathhouses that were there, uh, a great modesty that was there. It was a wicked city, but in that city, God established the body of Christ, a local body of Christ, a local assembly, his church there to be a lighthouse in that city. And the God radically spread from that place. It was a difficult city, but God did something special. In those three Sabbath days that Paul was there, God did something special. He realized that isn't a work of man. That is a work of God when a church starts like that. Friends, I want you to believe that sometimes we've Americanized our process and we've tried to commercialize our process, but God's still working in that way in, in, in places around this world. And I believe he still wants to work in that way, even in cities in our own country, that, that we would see God spark something, and that he'd start something, that we, we would see him move a, 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 a body forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to believe that God can still do New Testament works today. One, something I'm praying about for next year, and I believe I'm, I'm very close to, to committing it to the calendar, but uh, having brother, um, um, brother, and I'm slipping on his mind, help me out here, Corey Mears come back, he was here um, about five years ago, and the Lord has been using him in some special ways around the world to, to minister the gospel, and has brought him back into, um, brought him back into mission work, but I am so thrilled to hear what God is doing in places, uh, Zambia, and Fiji, what we've seen God do in Grenada, churches being there, there being planted there. Do you remember Oasis Baptist Church getting planted there? Uh, you have Gethsemane Baptist Church being planted, uh, planted there, and God is doing great things around the world, and we just want to be a part of it. Just want to be a part of it. And I, I read this in the pages of the Scripture and realize three Sabbath days, and God was planting a church. He was doing a unique work there. What a blessing. God's church was established. And friends, we're, we're the body of Christ here in Kettering. We have a responsibility to, to hold up the truth, to be the pillar in the ground of truth right here. God has established us for some 40 years, but we don't want to rest on something that happened in the past. We got to go forward. You with me on that? We got to go forward. We got to trust God for greater things. We got to trust God for greater works than we've even seen in the past. More souls saved, more families coming to him and uh, deeper-rooted disciples. We must continue forward for the Lord. But I want us just to see one last thing here. Notice Christ's favor here in verse number one. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very typical greeting from Paul. He said it to the Romans when he wrote to the Romans. He often uh, uh, greeted them with grace and peace. It's, it, it's kind of like a howdy, but it's a very spiritual howdy. It's a very heartfelt howdy. He wasn't just using words. Grace and peace. Grace is that unmerited favor, that goodwill that's freely bestowed on us from God. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us um, freely. It's his strength. It's his enablement. But there's, a, there's a, an idea or connotation that comes along with this word, but that, that it would cause a rejoicing in us. Well, when God's grace is manifest in our lives, when we see God at work in our hearts, doesn't it bring a rejoicing to your heart? Doesn't it bring a welling up of emotion in your heart? I think about some of what God has already done in this place today. It brings joy to the heart, doesn't it? 
I don't know about you, but it, 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 it stirs me up. It says, well, I, I want to go more. I might be discouraged. And you see God working in, in a person's heart and see something spiritually happen there that you know you didn't do. You know what I'm talking about? Man, what rejoicing. What a blessing. And that's what's going on here. And Paul's saying, grace be to you. Such grace that would well up joy in your heart, well up a rejoicing in your heart to say, thank you, Lord, for working in my life and the life of others. Thank you for giving resolve to us through persecution. Thank you for telling us and reminding us that you are coming again and it is worth it all to serve you even when we're being persecuted. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've given to us. But notice this word peace. It carries the idea of, of wholeness. It is the word shalom. Let's say that together. Shalom. I mean, that's a, a common phrase around, uh, around Israel, but it's the connotation of wholeness. Friends, the grace of God brings wholeness into our lives. Not by our doing or our earning, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to catch a hold of this verse. Remember what Paul told the Roman believers? Romans 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, being justified, made right, declared righteous. That's what happened to you the moment you got saved. You remember that day? When you came to Christ, you were declared righteous. Oh, I'm a sinner. No, you're declared righteous. You're declared a saint. Therefore, being justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have wholeness, friends. We have wholeness, healing, salvation, deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. Two parties that were once at odds, God and humanity, now brought together, reconciled. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. And he's saying, listen, Church of Thessalonica, Grace, the unmerited favor of God that brings rejoicing to your heart and remember the peace that is brought to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Peace with you on God your Father. What a wonderful thing. God's work through Christ brings people into a harmonious relationship with God and most wonderfully with one another as well, one author said. Brings us into a harmonious relationship. These gifts are from God. They didn't come from Paul. Paul didn't say, I'm sending grace and peace to you. No, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm wishing this from God, our Father, who's already given this to you. This is from God. Do you remember what James said in James 1.17? Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. Do you know the same God that gave the Thessalonians grace is the same God that says, hey, you come into the throne room of grace to find grace to help in, in your time of need. This week, you come find grace. You, you discover the peace that passes all understanding. This week, as you dwell on things that are lovely and of good report and of praiseworthy and so on, Philippians 4 and verse number 8. So this same grace and peace is ours today, and may we rejoice in it like they were to rejoice in it, like they were to have their hearts stirred with it. Paul says, yeah, we're your servants to you as Christ's body. And there's grace and peace, Christ's favor upon you. And I'm sure thankful that God's favor is still upon his church as he says, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's not forgotten about Grace Baptist Church. He is not done with Grace Baptist Church. And as long as we stay focused on him, Keep listening to his word. God will carry us through. It may not always be easy. It won't always be easy. Why? Because we're in a battle between good and evil, just like they were there in Thessalonica. Not everyone's going to high-five us. 
Not everyone's going to like us. That's okay. We do need to have the smile of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us. And so this church was being encouraged with some perspective. Dear church, we're your servants. Dear church, you're Christ's body. Dear church, Christ has shown favor upon you and given you grace and peace. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to be a Christian. Amen? Amen. Let's ask the Lord just to help us to walk with this this week. Walk with the joy of this. Would you bow with me? Perhaps you need that refreshed perspective. Jesus is coming again. You need to find a place to pray tonight and just say, Lord, help me not to dwell here below this week. I'm sorry for getting all focused on the earthly and just on what is right in front of me, the problems of life. Lord, help me to remember you're coming again. Lord, help me to remember I'm a servant. I'm a servant to your body. Lord, help me to rejoice. Forgive me for not rejoicing in the great gifts that you've given to me, your grace and your peace. With these things in mind, I invite you to pray and find a place to pray. Piano's going to play. And I just invite you to find a place to kneel, even there at your seat, and just talk to the Lord for a few moments. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.